Quarterback with a pass to his intended target or wide receiver, his actual target, a face of a cheerleader. Also, a Wisconsin fugitive managed to live three years on the lam with mostly his wits and a whole lot of bicycle power for his bunker. And we have a tie in the almost stands, so I'll tell you what those stories in a bit. But just like the two stories just told you, the tie stories are in the range of not quite there. They're not quite top 10 materials. They're not the top stories per said you this week. So what stories are the tops per said you this week? We'll get to those in mere moments here on the wrap-up show with me, Jacob and Payne, brought to you by This Is A Conversation and The Conversation Project. This is the show for the week ending September the 7th, 2019. And welcome to the show. My name, as said, Jay Cleveland Payne. This show is called This is the Conversations Weekly Wrap-Up Show. This is a weekly wrap-up of the conversations, the links we put out in our social media from thisisaconversation.com and what I like to call the Conversation Project, but no one else seems to pick up on that. What's this all about? Well, we try to figure out what stories are really stories you want to talk about. When the week where we were dominated by Hurricane Dorian and Donald Trump in Hurricane Dorian, uh, there were lots of other things to talk about all week long. In fact, 207 distinct different postings of stories all week long. So we put it up to you. We On our social media tracks on Facebook and Twitter, we put out a story every single, or about every single hour, about every 50 minutes, we put a new link out for you to respond to, and you did. You liked it, you loved it, you hated it, you shared it. The more responsive you were to a story, the more the score went up, and at the end of the week, Today, Friday morning, as we're doing this, we give you the top 10, and then we'll give you the uh, 11 through 15, and we'll also give you one at the very bottom. Uh, that's, I'll explain that in a second. But to be a part of the action, to be a part of the votes, you just have to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or and or, whatever you want. Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. Facebook, it's this is the conversation. We're also on Instagram at this is the conversation as well. You can't really vote there, but it's there as well. Now, as we said, this is a three-segmented show, and 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 we're going to explain a little bit more about that as we're doing some upgrades to the show. But in segment number one, we're going to go into the top ten stories, count them down from ten to one, the stories that you said were actually the bestest weeks. In segment number two, we're doing some changing things up a bit. We're going to go ahead and do the shout-outs in segment two, along with whatever quick housekeeping we need, and we will also go over the almost irrelevant story of the week. This story is at the very bottom of the list. It's usually something that's posted very late in the countdown, so it doesn't have much time to grow. That said, for this week's story, which is posted very early this morning as we're working on this thing. And in the third segment, we will do the wrapping up, rounding out the top 15. We'll go through stories 11 through 15 to see what stories didn't make it. What's the big deal on the change? Well, we're doing some format changes for a fact that we might actually take this thing back onto terrestrial radio. So we have to tighten up a lot of things. And we also want to add the interview segment back into the podcast. So we're trying to make things consistent and try to make sure it's to keep our time strength. So it'll take us a while to get the time down. It'll take us a while to get the format down. But all the features will be still intact as they are. If you want to complain about something or you want to give us praise, but it's mostly complaints, email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. So let's get on to the show, on to the countdown, on to the stories that you said were the tops. We start off with the story in the number 10 spot this week. It has a headline of this. Argument between West Virginia pastors' wives ends with gunfire in church parking lots. Newsweek is the odd enough source for this one. We posted this story on Wednesday, December the 4th. 
Uh, and this story was, oddly enough, the top Facebook story of the week. So for Facebook, it's pretty much all downhill from here. So let's get into some details from the story from Newsweek.com. A pastor's wife in West Virginia has been charged with reckless endangerment after allegedly firing a gun in a church parking lot. Melinda Fry Tony, 44, is accused of pulling out a pistol that accidentally discharged during an argument with another pastor's wife at New Life Apostolic Church in Oak Hill on May 11th. Tony is the wife of New Life pastor Earl Tony, while the other woman, Lori Haywood, is married to New Life's youth pastor, David Haywood. Fayette, Fayette Sheriff's Detective Kevin Willis told the Beckley Register Herald the animosity between the two women had been simmering for some time. Their husbands had thought the women should publicly bury the hatchet to avoid additional strife. The pastor and the youth pastor had thought, maybe we could get them together. We can hash this thing out and fix it before it escalates, Willis said Wednesday. Of course, it just made it worse, I think. According to Willis, the straw that broke the camel's back was an argument over a t-shirt Haywood had been wearing. Haywood would only say, we had a disagreement, and we sat down to talk. I called her out, and she lost it. According to authorities, Melinda walked out of the church during the disagreement and went to a car in the parking lot where she got her handgun. Realizing what she intended, Earl and followed her outside. While reports Pastor Tony intercepted his wife before she was able to come back inside the church and attempted to wrestle the gun out of her hand, or Willis reported that, the weapon fired a single shot during the struggle, but nobody was hurt. Haywood, who was leaving the church when the gun discharged, called the police and told them that she was Tony's intended target. The department reviewed parking lot surveillance video, but could not determine whether the pistol was aimed at Haywood before it was fired. Ms. Tony owned a handgun legally with a carried concealed permit. You can comment on any story you want to via our social media or emailing us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. And of course, links to all the stories so you can re-review them, go deeper if I don't read them all, and share them with friends will be at our website for this week's podcast. So go to thisistheconversation.com, click the link for the podcast for the week ending September the 7th, 2019, and you can find... Like I said, links to everything we talk about today, plus more great features at the website. So check it out and check out this story. I'm just going to back away because I have so much commentary. And as I said, we're trying to keep the timing down. So we're going to back away from this one today. The story listed as number nine has this headline. Valerie Harper, TV's Rhoda, dies at 80. Popculture.com is our source for this one. We posted this Friday, August the 30th, and this gets a bump of response, which means more people responded to this story than the previous to 10 story by 3.1%. Here's some lines from Popculture.tv. Valerie Harper, who charmed audiences as Rhoda on the Mary Tyler Moore show and her own spinoff, died on Friday, a week after her 80th birthday. Harper had was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2009 and was diagnosed with a rare brain cancer in 2013. Her family confirmed her death to ABC7. Her family told ABC7 Harper died at 10.06 a.m. Friday morning. Cause of death was not immediately available. Harper had been struggling since she was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2009. 2013, she was diagnosed with, uh, I'm going to butcher this, so bear with me, lepromentageal cardiosmosis and given three months to live Notes US, Us Weekly, U.S. Weekly. The rare condition caused cancer cells to spread to membranes surrounding the brain. 
However, Harper lived longer than expected, even making a triumphant appearance on Dance with the Stars months after her diagnosis. She even continued to act until her death, most recently voicing characters on American Dad and The Simpsons. She also made guest appearances on Two Broke Girls, Melissa and Joey, Children's Hospital, and Hot in Cleveland. In July, Harper's family launched a GoFundMe page to help pay for her medical expenses. Before the fund was shut down, fans donated more than $66,000 to the cause. You can read more into this story by going to the link at the website and go deeper into this detail and deeper into her pedigree. Of course, people also remember her in kind of a second-generation uh, life. Uh, we'll say that the, the voice for she did is third-generation. As Valerie Hogan, the matriarch of the Hogan family, which the show which started out as Valerie, turned into the Hogan family, which was taken over by Sandy Duncan after Valerie was killed off because of contract disputes that happens in Hollywood. We are sending our thoughts and prayers to the family of Valerie Harper, and we are thinking about her for the good roles and the good things and the groundbreaking things she did in television and in just acting in general. The story in the number eight spot this week has this headline. Advisors reportedly feared that Trump's behavior over the summer may have sabotaged his chances of re-election in 2020. Monday, September the 2nd, day we posted this. This gives a bump response from the number nine story of 1.75%. Uh, the source for this is Business Insider. And I'm going to read you some lines from this. And this doesn't even, this even came out, I think, well, essentially before we got really deep into Sharpie Gate. We'll see if we talk about that next week. I'm, I doubt it's going to make it, but I may drop a little Sharpie Gate in here. So let's, let's read from Business Insider because I said we're trying to be brief. Advisors at U.S. President Donald Trump believe that his behavior this summer, in which he has been accused of deliberately stirring America's racial tensions, may have harmed his prospects of election in 2020, the Washington Post reported on Sunday. Staff close to the president, as well as allies outside the White House, have privately complained that the summer has been one of, quote, missed opportunities and self-sabotage, unquote, for Trump, the Post reported. Some supporters have purposely criticized Trump's action over the summer with Dan Eberhardt, the CEO of drilling services company Canary, who is also a Republican donor, telling the Post, quote, Trump squandered a summer of opportunity to enhance his reelection campaign. That's the end of that quote. Actually, he said some more. Let's give you some more from what he said. While Democrats are divided and focused on their primary, President Trump could have focused on solving the trade war, a genuine infrastructure plan, or a decisive foreign policy victory. Instead, he fanned the flames of a trade war, attacked Baltimore, the squad, and the Federal Reserve, and failed to add a cornerstone of achievement to his 2020 election credentials. As a Republican, all you can do is hope it doesn't end in the wreck. We'll end my reading right there and just go deeper into this very quickly. Uh, as a person who did not vote for Donald Trump, as a person who's not a really big fan of Donald Trump in, in theory, and a person who thought he was kind of a silly joke just in general before this whole election thing happened, and then, of course, now you've got to have to show him deference because he's president, I don't understand how people are just now coming to see that Donald Trump is a problem Maybe not so much to us, but mostly to himself. And in being a problem to himself, it becomes a problem to us. Uh, we will find out whether in you know a year and a half or so, whether he actually does find a way to become again our president for another term. But uh, right now, if people can't see the erratic behavior, the craziness going on, and Sharpie Gate at you know drawing a piece of Sharpie, insisting that Alabama was in the uh, 
was it was a bit, apparently going to be damaged by the storm coming up Dorian. We'll talk a lot about Dorian a bit, and when it never was, and then insisting it to the point of drawing a circle on a map that didn't have Alabama on it. Well, you you get my drift. I still hold plenty of respect for the office of the president and respect for the person holding it. That's a little bit of a question mark right now, but this is what it is until someone does something to fix it. We have a lot of Dorian going on in this week's countdown, a lot of Dorian all over the place. And this is because Dorian was literally all over the place, a storm that started essentially eight days as we're recording this and was a threat to Florida. Uh, we'll skip sharp tape here, but a threat to Florida it turned out to not be and now is uh, menacing the Carolinas on its way to Virginia, but definitely did a lot of damage to the areas in the Bahamas and the islands there. We will get deeper into these stories. As we said, a lot of these stories are distinct stories. So we didn't make any super stories this week. So every Dorian story basically lives on its own. So we'll deal with that. Complaints can be sent to the conversation inbox at gmail.com. But along with historic damage, we will have some actual good history to talk about. And this one from the story in the number seven spot, historic female crew flies Hurricane Dorian reconnaissance mission for NOAA. Say that three times fast. Friday, August 30th, the day we posted that one, a bumpy response from the number eight story of 27%. Here's some lines from ABC7 in LA, which, uh, of course, picked it up on the wire, and that's where we pulled the actual link for the story. Lakeland, Florida. Reconnaissance missions are an important part of storm preparation as a hurricane approaches, but one recent NOAA reconnaissance flight made history. The Lakeland-based NOAA Aircraft Operations Center said Thursday that it had flown its first recon mission with an all-female three-pilot flight crew ahead of Hurricane Dorian. It was staffed by Captain Christy Twinnon, Commander Rebecca Waddington, and Lieutenant Lindsay Norman. The trio flew aboard NOAA's Gulfstream 4 jet, nicknamed Gonzo, which had flown around almost every Atlantic hurricane that has threatened the United States for more than two decades. A Gonzo mission spans thousands of square miles, according to NOAA, and gathers vital high-altitude data with GPS drop wind sundials, those little parachute things, and tail Doppler radar that enables forecasters to map the steering currents that influence the movement of hurricanes. In addition to hurricanes, the plane is also used to study winter storms. Deeper into the story, as you said, you can go back to the story by uh, checking out at the website, thisisaconversation.com, and click the link for this week's podcast. This is the podcast of the week ending September the 7th, 2019, of course. And there's a lot to go deeper into what the Hurricane Hunters do, what this crew did, and why it was historic, other than just being three women piling full flight. But the big work they did in keeping people safe, as safe as possible, from what turned out to be a deadly storm for the Bahamas, and we're still going to see here for what it's going to do for the states. Let's keep it moving into another hurricane story. As I said, there's lots of them here. In the sixth spot, this is the story we have that is going to, um, uh, no pun intended, blow up uh, for what happened in Dorian, because this tells us how early we knew what happened, and then we'll go deeper into it. The six-story headline is, Hurricane Dorian kills at least one in Bahamas is now headed towards U.S. Monday, September 2nd, the day we posted this, 7.24% chance jump in response from that story that was in the seven spot. Now, I'm going to recap this because reading this one isn't really going to work out very well. Uh, the actual story, the source was, uh, was from CNN, 
And what we knew at the time when it was last updated, this one particularly was updated, was the the death toll was at five. Right now it's over 20, uh, at least it was when I last heard yesterday. And that's still in, they're still in very distinct, uh, just kind of recover mode. There are many people out there who've lost everything. There's a lot of damage to many islands. And they're still trying to figure out how to get people basic food and water in some cases and places to stay and this has been you know monday was the second today we're posted that we're doing this on the sixth recording it so it's been that many days since the hurricane was in the bahamas or started its path through the bahamas and made its way towards the united states now here's the the kicker on this one first we thought it was going to make a big hit towards puerto rico and it drifted it basically um grazed them we had various projections of it hitting uh hitting various spots in in florida and it basically grazed the coast now it's it is hitting or has hit the carolinas and is making land and is starting to die down as a category one this has been a very serious storm and our very first big storm of the season so we have many more to talk about in this end but this is one that's going to be a menace to a lot of things and we're going to figure out what's going to happen down south of here in the Bahamas. We'll see how this all works out. But at the time, the very early, the death toll of one, which turned into five with this update of this story, and now with more and more going on, we'll find out more and more about what's happening in this situation. So thoughts and prayers that we do a lot of are going to the Thor- Dorian folks, and we'll have a lot more Dorian, unfortunately, in this actual broadcast. But we'll take a quick break and go to the number five story, which is basically just as bad. 34 people killed after boat catches fire off California, Santa Cruz Island. Monday, September 2nd day, we posted this one as well. This gets a bumper response of 13.8%. Fox News is our source for this one, but this is one that, of course, went all over the place with the story. I was watching the news and preparing for a uh, a newsletter in the morning when the breaking news came down. Uh, early in the morning on a uh, early morning West Coast time, uh, there was a call for Mayday where a boat what was sank after catching fire. Five members of a crew were able to escape it. They were up early setting up the morning set the setup for a dive, the final day of a three-day dive tour that was essentially coming back into the port when something caught fire. Five members of the crew were able to escape as they're above board. Everyone inside, all the passengers, all the people taking the tour, all 34 of them apparently died. At the time, last number I heard was 20 bodies recovered, but no one alive has been found that's been inside of the actual boat. This has turned into not so much a controversy, but a real bit of sadness as many people have spoken out about the boat, about the crew, about the boat being up to, up to staff, and about the ability of the people underground and beneath the boat who should have had a chance to get out, but no one really knows what's happening. And one of the things that makes this even more confusing is we get to hear some of the 911 calls, but we're only hearing one side of it for the most part. Most of the, the call we're hearing is from the side of the dispatcher. We're hearing garbled bits and pieces from the boat, so it doesn't help out. If you want to um, check out more about this story, click the link inside of this week's website for the podcast. This is theconversation.com. And click on the link for the podcast week ending September the 7th, 2019. Moving on to the story in the number four spot. And like I said, this is a week of destruction and death that's just uncanny. Midland, Texas police, two active shooters, 20 people shot. Saturday, August 21st, 
31st, should say, the day we posted this one. Bumpy response from the number five story of 6.72%. And while we were dealing with the stuff going on with Dorian and it began beginning to start its rampage, there was a rampage in Odessa and Midland, Texas, or between the two. Uh, another one of these things I'm going to quickly sort of recap and move on with this one, because this one got really dangerous really, really quickly and really bizarre in a way. At the back end, what we know about the story is a man was fired from his job on Saturday. Uh, Unfortunately, he was fired on his job and already showing signs of distress at the moment. As he left his job, he was driving somewhere and was pulled over for a minor and pretty much normal traffic infraction. He basically didn't turn uh, a, a, a signal when he was shifting lanes. From there, it turned into a rampage with over 20 different crime scenes and where he drove between Midland and Odessa, Texas, uh, shooting at officers, shooting at people. At one point in time, he shot and killed a mail carrier who was on her route and then took her vehicle and kept it going. He was eventually apprehended or eventually killed at at a um, movie theater in Odessa. So it was really a crazy and really a just insane uh, afternoon of watching this unfold as they didn't know what was going on and they still don't really know the full extent of what's happening. What they do know is that the man did not pass initial background check years ago for a gun and because of that he bought a gun at a gun show about his guns how many he had at a gun show and the bit of the stress no one knows exactly what was distressing him that day he was fired but essentially he was going to be fired regardless anyway it wasn't about the conversation that day and he also called 911 after leaving the job and on his his rampage telling them what was going on and how it was going. It was a bizarre scene. It was weird to see play in real time. And if it weren't for the fact that we had hurricane Dorian to actually keep up with, we'd probably get more deeper and intense talk into this story, but we've been dealing with two major ish good things going at the same time. And we have more Dorian coming as well. So we'll have more Dorian to talk about. So this is a story where we're thoughts and prayers go out to a lot of family members. And we're trotting out so much weirdness about this stuff uh, that it's becoming a, well, it's becoming epidemic. This is, I believe, the fifth shooting in about um, six, seven weeks that we've had of a mass era like this with no real rhyme or reason to the actual events. Moving to the story at the number three spot this week, Miami orders scooters removed from streets before Hurricane Dorian turns them into flying projectiles. AmbassyNews.com put that out there on Friday, August 30th, a bumper response from the number four story of 1.75%. Now, this should be just a seriously unserious light story, and it is because the preparation at the time when we first saw the tract of what Hurricane Dorian was supposed to do as it was going over the British Virgin Islands, we expected it to go over the U.S. Virgin Islands and then over a big chunk of Puerto Rico, in fact, San Juan, which got hit so badly uh, two years ago, and then just go smack dab into Miami. At that point, that's where it most or less looked like it was going to do, and then kind of hover on the, the left coast from that part or the right coast from the, um, the the east coast from there didn't quite do that but in preparation something that we, I talk about we have here in my city of Little Rock that, that still does because I never seen anyone ride them the motorized scooters electric scooters that a lot of cities have over a place where you swipe your car and use your scooter to get around town uh, the city of Miami decided it probably wouldn't be a great idea to have these little metal things to sit in the middle of the road so that when the hurricane came up they'd go flying through the air and crashing into things so they started gathering them up and putting them away for the weekend and 
I'm sure they're back out now as, as Miami basically had very little to do with Hurricane Dorian other than some high winds and a little bit of minor flooding as far as I can tell. Other areas in Florida had much, much deeper impact of the actual hurricane. But it's just one of a lighter story where the city of Miami thought it might be wise to do this thing before it becomes a problem, and they did deal with that. Now, the story we have at the number two spot is an amazing story and something that I didn't think was really going to make any impact. It was a big story on the Twitter. Not quite the biggest, but a big story on the Twitter. And a coincidental twist that it makes it a boon for history teachers to pull out the books and go over a bit of presidential history this week. The headline we originally posted, RFK assassin Sirhan Sirhan stabbed in prison from USA Today on Saturday, August 20, 31st. I've been to that 21st twice. Bumper response of 49.14% from the three-story. Obviously, we've had time go by, and the updated headline reads, Robert F. Kennedy assassin Sirhan Sirhan stabbed stable after prison stabbing. Here's some notes from the updated story. Granted, it's been six days since it actually originally happened. Sirhan Sirhan, imprisoned for more than 50 years for the 1968 assassination of Senator Robert F. Kennedy, was hospitalized Friday after being stabbed by a fellow inmate in the San Diego prison. The statement from the State Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation said the stabbing occurred Friday afternoon at Richard J. Donovan Corrections Facility near San Diego. Officers responded quickly and found an inmate with stab wounds injuries. He was transported to an outside hospital for medical care and is currently in stable conditions, the statement said. Statements did not name Sirhan, but a government source with direct knowledge confirmed to Associated Press that he was the victim. The source spoke under condition of anonymity, citing prison privacy regulations. She don't want to get in trouble for stuff like that. And the stabbing, of course, first reported by TMZ. Sirhan is 75 years old. Now I'm vamping here. He's 75 years old, of course, convicted of shooting Robert Kennedy shortly after midnight on June 5th, 1968. Uh, he was. Um, this is right after he won the Senate seat uh, the previous day um, and was, was basically preparing to continue on his path in his maybe future presidency. Maybe he would have been the second Kennedy to be president. We don't know because he was the second Kennedy assassinated in this way. Uh, but it, it's amazing to think about history and things and time. He's been in jail for 50 years for killing a person 50 years ago. Uh, and apparently he's not, has no intention of, of letting go of life any, anytime soon at 75 years old. The only thing that basically took him down was the stabbing more details of what they could tell us about the incident is in the article. So click the link for this article inside of this week's link for the podcast. This is a podcast with week ending September the 7th, 2019. Our website, of course, this is a conversation.com. And now we come to the number one story of the week. We try to make it into a ceremony because I, I think it's cool. Some people don't, but I do. So I'm doing the reading, so I'll keep doing it. Let's give you the stats posted on Sunday, September the 1st. The bumper response from the number two story is 44.7%. The bumper response from the number 10 story, which was the argument in the church that left uh, people being shot at in the parking lot, was 278%. And the bumper response from the almost irrelevant story of the week, that's the story at the very bottom this week, it's story 207. We'll tell you what it is later, but the bumper response, it was more responsive, this story, by 62,700%. 
And this is one that a lot of people were really into. This was the biggest Twitter story that we had this week. And this was a big story that turned into a, I'll, I'll say a bigger story, turned into a bigger story as things went by. But the initial big story headline is this. Kevin Hart suffers major back injuries after car crash. NBC News is our source for this, and we'll read you some lines from their write-up with a few updates as they've updated this one a couple times as well. Actor and comedian Kevin Hart suffered major back injuries after car crash in Malibu, California early Sunday. A man named Jared Black was behind the wheel of Hart's 1970 Plymouth Barracuda with Hart and another passenger in the vehicle when it rolled into a ditch around 12.45 a.m. local time, the California Highway Patrol confirmed to NBC News. Black crashed the muscle car after turning onto Mulholland Highway. Quote, Black immediately lost control of the vehicle and the Plymouth left the road and rolled over down the northern embankment, the CHP said in a statement. He and the other passenger identified as Rebecca Brochterman were trapped inside. Hart and Black suffered major back injuries and were taken to nearby hospitals, according to Highway Patrol. Brocksterman was not hospitalized. Hart, who turned 40 in July, bought himself the Plymouth Barracuda as a birthday gift. Uh, you can see pictures of the Barracuda and more details from the actual story by clicking the link in the pod- for the podcast, as we said many, many times. But this story is the one that picked up a lot of steam very early, uh, very early in the week, and of course, stuck around for quite a bit of time. We had a lot of stories that stuck around and a lot of stories that beat down, pun intended, the uh, beat down that Dorian was putting on into the, the story listings. We had so many Dorian stories, as he said. Normally we would have did super story stuff and added them together, but they were all distinct Dorian stories, so we put them out by themselves. We'll do a quick housekeeping in a bit and, and tell you about that, essentially. But we're wrapping up for time, more or less. The countdown for segment one this week. So if you liked it, thank you so much for contributing to the stories that were put out here. If you aren't so liking about it, you can contribute to further stories and make sure stories that you deem more important are in the countdown. And that's done by simply being in the countdown. Following us on Facebook at This Is A Conversation. Also, they're on, on Instagram as well. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. And as you see our stories coming to your feed every 50 minutes or so, a brand new headline pops in there. Like it, love it, hate it, share it. Do what you need to do to engage with it. And the more engagement pops up, the higher the score it gets at the end of the week. And as we said, top story this week, Kevin Hart and his back injuries as he suffered them from the car crash he had over the weekend. Segment two, as we said, we're changing things up a little bit. We will go ahead and get the shout-outs done now, and we'll give you a very tiny bit of housekeeping, plus the almost relevant story of the week, number 207, coming up in moments here on This is the Conversation's weekly wrap-up show with me, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending September the 7th, 2019. This is a conversation is a labor of love for me, and it is an actual labor. It's a lot of work to put this thing together, and it's powered by you guys out there. So all the responses I get from you guys help me know that what I'm doing is on the right path, and all the actual contributions help me know that you guys are willing to put in a little bit to make sure it stays as good, and maybe it's better along the way. So with that, I remind you that the conversation is powered by you, literally you. So you can help power that by contributing you can become part of our patreon squad by going to 
thisisaconversation.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash thisisconversation. See how that works out? You can also visit the website and click on the links for any of our sponsors and purchase from them. We get a bit of affiliate kickback from that. And this week we are spotlighting one of my very favorite sponsors, one I use very, very frequently because I like very boring vacations. My wife likes very exciting vacations, and we buy her certificates to do very exciting things. And that's through Cloud9 Living. Now, Cloud9 Living has plenty of excursions, over 2,000 excursions, 2,000 experiences you can have around the world. And wherever you are in the world, there's probably one nearby or someplace where you'd like to go. And here's a really cool thing about their actual operation. Every excursion is unique, and it's every excursion is wonderful, and everyone is grand. However, everyone may not be the right one for you, so you can go ahead and buy a gift certificate for whatever amount you want to, and give it to whomever you want to or keep it for yourself and hold on to that until it's time is right or the location is right. And when you char- when you charge that, give it in, trade it in, no matter how long you hold on to it, it will never lose value. They never lose value. Whatever money you put into an excursion uh, never goes away. Now, if you buy an excursion and hold on to it for a while and decide you want to do something else, you can trade the full value of that excursion for another excursion. No loss whatsoever. These people take good care of you, take good care of their facilities, and so many things you can do from hot air balloons to driving race cars to picnics in very beautiful places to extremely cool golf courses. All those can be found at Cloud9 Living. Go to our link for helping us out at thisisaconversation.com slash cloud9. That's the numeral nine. This is a conversation.com slash cloud9 and get a special deal on your gift certificates and course help us out in the process check them out they'll take good care of you for your next excursion you'll you'll love them as much as i love them they are cloud nine living quick bit of housekeeping that's going to make this thing a little overly long and i apologize for that but reasons why there are changes to the podcast we are literally making changes to the programming how it works around so we can put this on the radio in a specific time and as you guys know radio has actual time constraints and it means we'll be more brief we'll be better in our storytelling but we won't be able to do as much storytelling or as widely as we are doing it now but it does mean you'll probably have less hour and 10 minute uh, episodes because they literally have to be somewhere around 45 minutes or less. However, that means changing some things around and moving things around and working on our stuff as well. So we're doing some light housekeeping until we can do some real destruction and build up a nice little place. So we'll see what happens. The goal is to get back in schedule doing the brackets game, the weekly interview and news trivia game, along with moving things around. But a lot of the things that became what they are now came from losing that segment. So what's going to happen is basically four segments. We'll see how that works out. And what we're going to turn this into is something that's a bit more segmented, which is using the same word to explain itself. So that's why things are going to be all of sorts for a while. So bear with us. We are going to more or less stay with this format. Where we'll have the top 10 at the front end and the 11 through 15 at the back end. And we'll have the, the almost relevant in the middle somewhere. We're just working on tweaking timing and making things work out and finding that space for 15, 20 minutes to put in the interview because it takes a long time to read these st- stories out, which I found doing this originally. So let's go into a quick bit of housekeeping, dealing with the actual 
things that must be house kept, and that is the stories. You will see a tie inside of the uh, rounding out the top 15. In fact, the tie is for the stories 15, and we're going to go ahead and call this uh, a tie for the most part because it's there. So we will do the same basic tiebreaker moniker where one story is technically higher than the other but because it's not top 10 material we don't necessarily care about it it's replacement we'll say both stories are at the 15 we'll say which one is slightly above based on this week twitter engage or facebook engagement because the actual date it was posted and the raw score turned out to be exactly the same so that's how that worked out we'll tell you what those stories are when we get to them so you have something to look forward to in a finale and we had a whole lot of Dorian stories and more Dorian stories oddly enough to come because Dorian was a pretty big menace unto the news this week and a menace to many people in its path. And the stories that we had were distinct stories. We had so many different things that Dorian affected that each one was distinct from the flight of the Hurricane Hunters to the uh, scooters in Miami being put away to the actual hurricane hitting and doing something which wasn't even as bad as it was when we posted it, those popped up as well. So we will probably do less super stories in those wake, if things are like that, to make them distinct. But we didn't want to overload. We don't usually don't want to overload with too many things that are exactly the same things or one update. But since there were so many Dorians out there, we had a lot of Dorian going on. And now we're going to go ahead and do the shout-outs and then do the almost relevant story, which seems like way too much at this point. But like I said, we're moving things around. We're shuffling the furniture a little bit to see how things look and testing out things to do our build. So shout out starting off this week on Twitter, starting, starting off with people who showed us extra love on the Twitter inside of engagement on TH underscore conversation. That includes Sturm Unrich, also Sweet Dreamer, Protest Musica. I'm not sure why they're protesting Musica, but we, we've got you back. Uh, we let's learn Mandarin. Hmm, let's learn Mandarin. AARP goddess and newsbrew. On to the Facebook love. People showed us love via this is a conversation on Facebook. Include Vicky Young, Derek Jones, Tony Brown, Ruth Ann Miller, Sherry Sites, Snatching Edges podcast. Thank you, podcaster. Also love from Jennifer MB. And Kevin Clay. Thank you so much, guys, for showing us your love on the Facebook there. And it's very, very simple. Oh, it's the first of the month, so I have to show extra love to the folks who are our Patreon supporters. So extra special love going out to Rants and Reasons, which is a podcast, and the supporters of those podcasts are supporting me. I support them as well. Thank you so much, guys, for doing that one. So if you haven't listened to Rants and Reasons or what is now called Context and Clarity of the Podcast, look for them anywhere your pods are cast. And from the world's most dangerous canine, Rudy, who is not so much from Rudy, but Rudy's owner. Thank you for the owner of Rudy for allowing Rudy to use your credit card, I guess. Thank you so much for all that help. And thank you for everyone who just listened to the podcast, because that's a great contribution in itself. Now, with all that, to get to what is really uh, the whole point of this segment is to get you where we get to the almost relevant story of the week. A lot of get to to get to's this week, apparently. So let's get to that story, uh, which is story number 207 for this week. And some of the stats for the story are, well, not really all that important. All that you really need to know that the number one story this week, the story about Kevin Hart and his car crash, was 62,700% more responsive than this story. Our headline, getting up at 4.30 a.m. makes you fat, sick, and ineffective, says top geneticist. 
not generalist, geneticist. That makes a difference. And the story was posted early this morning, so it didn't get a lot of time to gestate. So it didn't get a lot of time to really garner any real response. But this is one that I'm sure may not be so relevant for you who thinks that you don't want to get up at 4 through the morning. A few lines from the story. Hardly a day goes by that some article doesn't go viral touting the fabulous wonders of rising at 4.30 a.m. or some other god-awful hour. We're told that early birds are happier, more successful, more self-disciplined, and all-around better human beings than the rest of us sluggards who linger abed. These articles aren't just junk science, they're downright dangerous. In the same category as anti-vax misinformation and claims that you can cure cancer with crystals. Bad and inaccurate health advice has health, real health consequences, namely real-world sickness and deaths. So in the interest of keeping everyone healthier and alive, here are the scientific facts about sleeping schedules according to multiple peer-reviewed studies. Although humans are diurnal, meaning they prefer to be awake during daylight hours, there is significant variation in the preference, often termed chronotype. Early chronotypes are considered larks and naturally prefer to wake up early, while late chronotypes or night owls tend to stay up late. Clearly not everyone is the same, and it turns out that differences from one extreme chronotype to another spans over as much as 18 hours. So what they have as a translation is, genetically, you're either a lark or a night owl or somewhere in between. But here's the kicker, and I'll go to the translation of this one. To try to be a lark if you're a night owl or the vice versa is not natural and will make you effectively fat and ineffective and will shorten your life. Inc.com is the source for this one. So if you're really into this one, check out the link for this one because it really is interesting. For a person who really is a night owl, who is forced to shift their hours, maybe they're doing shift work and they have to shift here and there, it can become a detriment if they don't live up to their natural chronotype, their natural body schedule. So people who do like to sleep in and tend to work better later on have an actual argument to throw out there. Of course, some people just are lazy and that's not the actual winning argument. So you can have to figure out whether it is you are lazy or you really do work better at later hours. Coming up in just a minute, we'll all we have left to do is the rounding out the top 15. So that's all we'll do. Coming up in a moment here on the weekend, weekly, weekly, change things up and you can't speak. The weekly wrap-up show brought to you by This Is The Conversation, hosted by me, Jay Cleveland Payne, for the week ending September the 7th, 2019. This week's I'm back to promoting my own podcast because I can do that, and that's doesn't have to be fair. I can just do that. This week we're promoting the Two Minute Business Wisdom podcast because I've got a lot of great response from this podcast. Like a lot of my programming coming out of More Better Media, it's all about something that's good for you and quick to digest, really easy to take down. And the Two Minute Wisdom podcast is a two minute tip for your business for small business people people just getting started and sometimes you'd be surprised how how good they are for people who are long established great to remind you of things that you may not be reminded of on a regular basis you can check it out very simply it's a part of my business questions answered here empire because the business questions answered here podcast it takes a lot more extra to do the two minute one seems to be what's working right now so check out the podcast called two minute business wisdom you can find it at businessquestionsanswereddhere.com or just look for 2-Minute Business Wisdom on whatever podcast you're looking for. We are pretty much 
everywhere. Found out that we're not quite on Stitcher yet, but I will work on that. Some of my newer things you can get in the Stitcher. But we're pretty much anyplace else, any other podcast you have. Just look for Two Minute Business Wisdom or it's home at businessquestionsanswereddhere.com. So I'm a bit discombobulated, but right now we're going to round out the top 15 and just get out of this thing. Right now we're doing fairly good on time, I, so we're going to just keep it going and then trim it up a little bit later. As we said, the next couple of weeks will be some experiments in the way things are going because we're not sure exactly how it's going to end up, and we're trying to find a way to literally add another segment, which took up a lot of time and takes a lot of time to do. To Getting a 15-minute interview segment uh, takes 30 minutes or so to record. It takes time to set up. It takes some some other stuff and a lot of trimming down to just get to where it needs to be. So thank you so much for the patience, your kindness, and let me know any suggestions about what to change or what to not change by going to your email machine and sending us an email. The conversation inbox at gmail.com is a place for that. So running out the top 15, as I already told you, there's going to be a tie. So there's an extra one here in this ranking and we don't give you much context other than the number it was placed and the date it was posted so you can use that to kind of figure out what you want to on the pieces but starting off at the number 11 story like you said lots of during this week number 11 is Atlanta Motor Speedway opening camping facilities to Dorian evacuees uh, this coming from a local station WV WSVN and this was posted Friday, August the 30th. Now, there was a lot of preparation coming ahead of time for what we thought was going to be the problem with Dorian. We found out Dorian had other problems and other ideas of its own. But one of the cooler stories about this was setting up for the pre-planning. People in these areas know how these things work. And if you get enough warning, they can figure it out. As things changed and the conditions moved on, the need for this didn't happen, but the Atlanta Motor Speedway, of course, big time racing place. And for a lot of people who camp out there because they're out there to see the races set up ahead of time so that the people who were been escaping uh, the, the wrath of Dorian could find a way to have a place to be while it was going on there. Luckily, it was not needed or at least, at least not needed to the extent that they thought it was going to be. They may have used it later on. But this story we posted early on in the outlook of Dorian showed that people are really looking for these things. People really do try to plan ahead for these things. The story in the number 12 spot, also Dorian. Hurricane Dorian straightens, strengthens and shifts may make landfall in Carolinas. Posted on Saturday, August 31st. Um, so this is when we first started to see the shifting, the changing, what would happen. And we pretty much knew that the hurricane was not going to hit Florida, at least not direct hit Florida. We knew it was going to basically graze past after it went over the Bahamas, graze past and go northeastern. And in the process, uh, eventually bump into somewhere around the Carolinas. That's exactly what it's doing right now, essentially in the Carolinas today, making its way up through Virginia, actually. And currently, it is a Cat 1 hurricane. It went back and forth from a, all the way up to a um, 5 to a 3 to a 4. And then it then came close to land back into the, the Florida area around a 5 again. It made land around a 2 or 3, I believe, yesterday. So uh, this is something that is ongoing. We'll probably have a few more Dorian things going on to talk about next week. Uh, once we start seeing the – well, we're seeing the devastation. Once the cleanup can actually start to begin, because a lot of places they still can't access in the Bahamas. And we'll see what help we give as United States citizens. 
As heard in the tease, story number 13, cheerleader gets smacked in the face by QB's throw. USA Today is the home, the source where we got this story. This is one I got to read to you, so I'm going to take a little time to read the story, so bear with me in my reading this day. But this is one that you will, you probably will enjoy more than you probably think you should. Ian Book saw the rush, so he picked the prudent option among several he had to make in a split second. Throw the ball away. The Notre Dame quarterback did just that and fired the ball high and wide towards the Louisville Cardinals sideline in the fourth quarter of the Irish's 35-17 victory Monday. The play was over for Book, but it was about to become a whole lot worse for Elizabeth Scott. Scott, a member of the Louisville Ladybirds dance team, didn't see the pass until it was too late. She took the ball square in the face and immediately dropped her pom-poms. Now she says via Twitter she broke her nose. Thank you, Ian Book, Scott tweeted after the game. Book finished the game 14 for 23 with 193 passing yards and touchdown. He added a score and 81 yards on the ground. There you go. Thanks, Ian Book. Number 13 story, no, I'm sorry, number 14 story this week goes to uh, Wisconsin, and this is a weird one. Here's the headline for it. Wisconsin fugitive lived in homemade bunker for three years with TV and lights powered by a bicycle. We get this one from BGR. Call it a news site, call it a blog, whatever we call it. I'm going to read you some bits about this story because this one is a, a weird one. Running from the cops, never a good idea. But one Wisconsin man managed to delay his inevitable capture by over three years by hiding out in his own makeshift bunker built into a hillside. Jeremy Button's trial was two weeks away when he disappeared in 2016, leaving a note for his family that said he was traveling to Florida. Instead, Button stayed in Wisconsin, digging a cave-like home into the side of a hill on public land not far from home. The bunker started primitively, but by the time authorities found the fugitive early this month, the homemade shelter was surprisingly sophisticated. Button, who was to face charges including sexual assault of a minor, had turned a hole in a hillside into a high-tech cavern complete with a working TV, radio, multiple lights, and fans. Solar panels, panels, panels scattered on top of the hill fed batteries in the bunker via extension cords, and when clouds blocked the source of power, Button would pedal homemade generators he built using a bicycle. The bunker was within walking distance of a nearby junkyard, and Button said he frequently scavenged electronics and various other equipment that had been discarded. For water, he created a makeshift well by digging a hole and lining it with sand and charcoal to fit to it. Then he boiled the water before using it, and during the harsh Wisconsin winters, he kept warm with a fire pit. Button was only busted when a hunter stumbled across the hut and noticed local, notified local authorities. Police arrived at the location and Button gave himself up without incident. Officials are now in the process of demantling the home while the fugitive awaits his fate in jail. So that sort of ingenuity could probably could have done us a whole lot better if he wasn't on trial for really bad things. Uh, this is just one of those interesting stories that popped up this week. And as you say, interesting enough, we had a tie this week in the rounding out the 15 at the number 15 and 16 spot. So that's essentially a tie for 15 today. Both of those stories were posted on Tuesday, September the 3rd. Actually, the story beforehand was posted. Actually, the last four stories were posted on Tuesday. So I guess Tuesday was a day for oddities, if you will. Um, the, the raw score, as we said, were exactly the same for the bottom two stories. 
what we had was a slight tick tick in the engagement on Facebook, which made this story the higher ranking story. 14-year-old confessed to killing all five of his family members in an Alabama home. CNN, the source for this one. I'm going to quickly wrap this one up as well. And this was a tragic story that we posted on Tuesday. So earlier in the week, a young man killed his entire family in Alabama. What we found out later, and we may see that pop up in this week in, in what comes to stretch on the pot in the podcast, is what his the distress the man was going through. An update to the story. He did kill his entire family, but we killed it on the knowledge, finding out that his mother was actually his stepmother. His mother, the person he called his mom on his life, was not his birth mother, and from that he had some sort of rage to kill his entire family. We are hopefully hearing more details and more deeper details on how this, this worked out. But for now, that's the way that story ended up. Also, another story that's tragic and very sad. Mother killed in front of son during road rage incident. And this is one we also got from local station WISN. And this is one that, that is also a weird sign of the times, but also just kind of a, a scratch your head type of thing. And, what happened in this case was totally avoidable, totally out of the necessary, a total, total crazy situation, a odd case of road rage. The mother was teaching her son how to drive, and they were waiting for a left turn when another passenger basically wasn't happy with what things are going on. It turned into an escalated situation, and it left the mother dead in the situation with her son have to watch this happen in front of them for more details on those stories i just quickly went over and any story we have here on the list just simply go to the website this is a conversation.com and click on the link for this week's podcast which is of course for the week ending september the 7 2019 all the links to all the story this week 17 stories are there so you can go deeper into all the stories and we'll probably find a way to go through the stories and not quite read them all we'll try to summarize them very quickly just based off the headline and you can go deeper there that way We'll probably find our way to make our time. But with that, our time here is done for this week. We've wrapped up all the stories plus an extra one. So all 17 stories, as I literally said seconds ago, are posted at our website. This is a conversation.com on the podcast link for this week. This is podcast week ending September the 7th, 2019. I literally just said that. I'm not saying not sure why I'm saying again, but as we said, we're changing things up so things aren't quite the same. So I guess I'm vamping for time until I get my script up to go for the close. And here we go. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast for this week, for going through what we did and being a part of it all going down. This doesn't happen without you because we're powered by you. So number one, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so that you do not miss it when it comes into your feed and make sure you're helping other people find the podcast by simply uh, alerting your friends, enemies, and total strangers of what's going on. In fact, if you see someone you don't know and you suspect that they don't listen to us, grab their phone right then and there, just literally right then and there, open up their podcast app, add us into the list, hand it back to them, tell them thank you, and then go on about your day. You'll know you've done your great deed for the day by bringing folks into the family. 
if you want to actually do it in a civil manner, then just remind them they just have to, and you just have to, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and respond to the conversations as it come by. Every 15 minutes or so, we post a link to a news story, and you just have to respond to it. Like it, love it, hate it, share it. The more engagement you give it, the higher it goes in score. Facebook, we are found at This is the Conversation, and make sure we're default. On Twitter, we are TH underscore Conversation. Email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. You can also help support us by throwing out a couple bucks. Visit our sponsors by, you'll see them at our website. Our main sponsor this week is the Cloud9 Living Great Gift Certificate Deal. This is conversation.com slash Cloud9 for that. And Patreon as well. Look for us at This is Conversation and give a few bucks to the cause. Once again, thanks to the folks at Grimes and Reason, Rants and Reason, i.e. Context and Clarity, and my boy Rudy, the Wonder Dog, uh, for helping us out, keeping things going, keep the lights on here for through the Patreon way. And you can support us as we support other podcasters this week. I'm supporting myself. Check out the Two Minute Business Wisdom podcast. It's just two minutes and it's business wisdom. There you go. This is the part where I say thank you three times and wrap it up quickly. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I forgot to say my main email address is jclevenpain at gmail.com and my main website is jclevenpain.net. Now that I said that, three more thank yous. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This thing does not work without you. We'll see you next week as we go through the biggest stories of the week as per you, not per the news directors, not per the streaming media, and not per uh, Donald Trump, although he'd like to be all 10 stories every single week. It usually doesn't work out that way. But you tell us what to talk about. You literally give me the script and we go through it here on this podcast. This is this is Conversations Weekly Wrap-Up Show Podcast. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.